Welcome. If you've if you've been sent this by someone, I'm sorry, but like you're welcome. I don't know. You're welcome. You're in for a wild ride. You are, because this is the story of tennis and its culture. And this is only half the story. So if you want to know how tennis works, because you're like, what the heck is tennis? ATP 102, which should be up now. So the entire point of this, entire point of what we're doing, entire point of us talking, writing up the script, all of this stuff, is to be an introduction for new tennis fans, especially with the new Netflix show coming out, which I'm very excited about. I know lots of people are negative. I'm excited about it. I My hopes are high. Will I be disappointed? Mm, I've been disappointed by Netflix before. I've also been disappointed by tennis way more. So That's true. That's true. So the combination of two, actually, it's not looking good. <laughs> no, but I cannot be more disappointed than I already am. So it's going to be a great mm-hmm. time, regardless. Yeah. So if you're coming from the show, we're going to give you some some background into like things that you need to know if you're just getting excited about the show and want to know what you need to know, etc. If you are a Dennis fan already... This is not for you. We're we're not going to be too precise with things. Like, there might be some things that are a little vague. Everything is very intentional. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're complaining, if you know that something we're saying, like, if you, if you know well enough to know we shouldn't be saying something we're saying, this is not for you. Mm-hmm. Turn it off. Nobody knows this. It's so crazy. Much like nobody knows that Novak Djokovic is, like, a good tennis player. <laughs> nobody knows that, like, being nice is always an option. Also, yes, we're going to be talking about slams. I know it's ATP 101. Technically, they're not running the, the slam. It doesn't matter. Okay? Shut up. <laughs> I feel like HRH Collection, like, yelling at commenters that, like, don't exist. Nobody's listening. <laughs> anyway. Okay, so we're going to start off by talking about, like, tennis culture in general and sort of, like, what it is that's so compelling about, like, the lifestyle and the setup of everything. Then we're going to talk about some, well, Katie's going to talk about some rivalries that exist within the tennis world just to sort of set up, like, those storylines that you're going to want to be paying attention to. And then we are also talking about some just kind of general, like, we keep calling them characters, but I guess technically they're athletes, Katie. Okay. Um, right. They're real people. They're athletes. They're professionals. They're just people doing a job. We're talking about them as though they're characters. We so are. that's what we're going to do. It's mostly people focused today. And then 102 will be more like structural, how to actually watch things, what the season is like. And by season, I mean year. It never <laughs> so ends. It, it never ne- truly ends. never ends. So I'm Miranda, by the way. And I'm Katie. And this is back hands and compliments <laughs> it really is compliments only by the way that's what i mean when it's like it's it's not hard to be nice and it's hard to hit a backhand <laughs> by the way the reason why we're doing this overall also is because it's like our personal mission to not gatekeep so like we've come through the gate we've are letting the gate we are leaving the gate open behind us we have kicked and open the gate we're like don't don't shut it it's open yeah, for we've you. kicked open the gate and like we're also herding people in through the gate behind us. Like I have a cattle dog. I'm trying to get everybody in here. <laughs> Am I calling everyone cattle? Am I calling everyone sheep? Actually, I'll call you guys goats because Aww. you're the greatest. Oh, cute. Okay. So starting off like as a culture, I think, you know, most people, you're going to be familiar with other sports, but I think like uniquely tennis as a sport uh, generally requires a player to tour for 11 months of the year. There's really no such thing as like a home team in tennis there's truly barely an off season if we're being honest but 
all of this means that players get really familiar with each other as they go to Melbourne, Paris, Shanghai, everywhere in between. It's really like a very worldwide situation. So these people will stay at the same hotels, they will eat in the same cafeterias, and they'll even practice on the same courts. Sometimes like practicing against each other too, which I always find very interesting. Like the person you're practicing against could be the person that you're like playing in the final. So it's it's complex. It's essentially like a small town high school, but it just moves countries every week or two. And this also is relatively like, it's kind of expensive, like it doesn't have to be expensive, but when you get good, I think it ends up getting expensive. Katie, is that true? It is very expensive. If you want to play for fun, you can buy a $5 racket at Walmart and that's perfectly acceptable. You know, mm -hmm. you're just out there to hit the ball, have fun, get some exercise. But if you want to be competing in even ATP challengers, which are the tournaments for the lower ranked players, it costs lots of money. It really does. So like lots. all of the people that we're talking about, they've sunk like an insane amount of money into this sport. So like the stakes are high. They've spent a lot of money and people generally don't understand the sunk cost fallacy. Anyway, this is not a podcast <laughs> explaining the sunk cost fallacy 101. Doesn't matter. But coaches, people's travel to tournaments and like the equipment that they have, it all requires a certain level of financial support, which brings this like general vibe of nepotism and like elitism to the sport, which I always mm. think is fun. Mm -hmm. It can end up being a family business and everyone knows everyone, you know, like someone's mom will have played someone else's mom in the 80s and like suddenly their children are the worst of enemies. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. But mm. anyway, it's very Romeo and Juliet, except no one dies, at least not yet. Uh, yet. Memories are long and players hold grudges, especially because that person who beat you in the biggest tournament of your life had to go back and celebrate in the same locker room you went to mope after the match. <laughs> so it's not like football where, uh, you know, the teams have separate locker rooms. You're going back to the same place and you're going back to the same hotel and it's... They might be your friend. Not anymore. <laughs> no, hopefully still. Come on. Players may be competing with each other for ranking points and prize money. We'll talk about ranking points next time. But like, that's how, you know, that's how people get better or worse. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Outside of coaches, physios, and family, they're also the only people that they can count on to be around week after week. So because of this, players will often become friends just as much as they become rivals, which is very cute. But like... Sorry, even if you're playing your bestie, one of you has to lose, like you can't tie. So that's really like all the background on like the lifestyle of it all and like what things are like for these people behind the scenes that sort of sets the scene for the way that they all kind of relate to each other. So one of the ways that they relate to each other is rivalries. Is rivalries. My favorite part of tennis. And I can't talk about tennis rivalries, despite the fact that this podcast will, for by and large, not be about these two people, but they are the cornerstone of tennis rivalries, and that is Rafael Nadal and Novak Djokovic. And like, if you've, if you've ever heard of a tennis player, like these are the ones that you've heard of. You might not know what they look like or what they do or anything like that, but like you've heard these names before, right? I'm, I hope so. I'm the example of the newbie because I only got into tennis in... April. As athletes, they're considered two of the best athletes, like, of any sport, of all time. Slay. And from here on out, because I've been watching them for my entire life, I will be referring to them as Rafa and Novak, because I feel as though I know them, because I have a parasocial relationship, because I've been watching them so much. We're really first name girlies here. So it means no disrespect to these two players, it's just a level of familiarity for me. They have actually played each other, 
nearly 60 times in the last 16 years. That's how long they've been on tour. To put that in perspective for everyone who doesn't know about tennis, which should be everyone who's listening, that is an average of 3.75 matches per year. And to continue to put that into context, the most matches that any two players had in the 2022 season was four. So every year they've been playing each other. It's almost as though like for the last 16 years, they've played each other like more times than they've played anyone else. Yeah, mostly because they beat everyone else and then meet in finals. The debate currently in most podcasts you listen to and most articles you find on them is about who's the greatest of all time? Who's that goat? But to me, the rivalry is most compelling in the fact that they would not be who they are now without each other. And that's really what is the basis of a rivalry in tennis. Let's start with some background on them. Rafael Nadal, he's a Spaniard. We love Spanish men from a sports oriented family. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, I we guess do. that's technically true. I mean, I love Spaniards. Yeah. People won't know that, like, country-wise, like, Spain is a very good tennis country. So Rafa's a Spaniard from a very sports-oriented family, and he grew up on the very idyllic and beautiful Mallorca, which is an island off the coast of Spain. To actually describe him in words that I think everyone would use, he's very humble, he's warm, and a very friendly guy who is very goofy on social media. I would say if this was a movie, um, he would definitely be the hero. In contrast... The media and many other fans have cast Novak as his villain. Novak, by comparison, grew up in a war-torn country, fighting tooth and nail for the chance to be at a top spot. And at the start of his career, he was labeled a clown and seen as very disrespectful for making fun of his fellow players and being, well, arrogant. It's probably the nicest way I can put that. However, I don't think anyone can say that both these men aren't dedicated, intense, and desperately want to win. I don't think their rivalry is about numbers. It's about pride. So despite the fact that Rafa and Novak's personalities, they're as different as the sun and the moon, they raise mm -hmm. similar styles, drive, and winning spirit, of course. Ultimately, I think their stories are completely intertwined and they would not be where they are without each other. And even though both of them are in their mid thirties, which is positively ancient, by tennis standards, sorry to everyone who's over 30, their rivalry is still burning hot. The longevity of this rivalry is really what we hope for, for all of our favorite ri rivalries in the years to come. Yeah. How old are they? Djokovic is 35 and Rafa is 36, as of the filming of this podcast. Wow. Recording. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think the ages are important because we're really like, when we're talking about these rivalries, talking about three kind of like distinct sort of generations, I think, in these periods. And maybe there would be like a generation in between like... Rafa Novak and the next group that we would talk about, but um, we're not talking about them. They're the lost generation. Um, I'm so R. sorry R. to them. It's also harder to define generations because there are literally tennis players of all ages. How old are these guys? I think these guys are 24 and 26, if that gives you an idea yes. of like how much we're kind of jumping down age-wise. Yes, about 10 years, almost. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Daniil Medvedev and Stefano Tsitsipas. To say they have a tumultuous rivalry, that'd be an understatement. I would say. And it began when they were quite young, which is important. Most of these have started when they're very young and then they continue as they grow. Because generally like tennis careers start really young and you're playing these same people in juniors that you will end up playing like when you're 35 and 36, if you're still playing at that age. Which considering how old a lot of the top players are, more and more likely. Stefanos and Daniil grew up together, their moms were on the women's tour together, and they have both climbed their way to the top in tandem. What is interesting about them is I think most tennis fans would consider both of them the villains. Or, if you're a Taylor Swift fan, 
perhaps an anti-hero. Yeah, it's them. Hi, they're the problem. It's them. It's them. Stefano Sitsipas is known for his father coaching him during matches, which is against the rules. Sorry, where is Steph from? Stefano Sitsipas is from Greece. Mm -hmm. However, he is half Russian. Mm -hmm. Speaking of, Daniil Medvedev, or Medvedev, is Russian. Full Russian. Full Russian. Couldn't get more Russian. Stefanos does tend to remain cool on court until he does something that is absurdly unhinged, like biting his racket strings or just screaming at himself, just full on, like not even words, just screaming. And Daniil Medvedev is cocky, very easily annoyed, and often antagonizes crowds by flipping them off and shouting at them. And he has also kicked a camera twice. Mm -hmm. Granted, it was because he ran into it and he thought it shouldn't be there. But he did kick it, nonetheless. To go back to when this first started, it was in 2018. It was a hotly contested match. This was the first match they ever played against each other. And as they walked up to the net to shake hands after Dino Medvedev had won, Stefanos, allegedly, allegedly. You can't hear him say this. But this is what Daniil heard. Um, he calls Daniil a bullshit Russian. And Daniil, in true Daniil fashion, goes off on Stefanos. Man, you better shut your fuck up, okay? Lenny, Lenny. Hey, Stefanos, you want to look at me and talk? You have some problems? You go emergency toilet for five minutes, urine, and then you say, and you, then you hit let and you don't say sorry, you think you're a good kid? Look at me. Thoroughly and understandably upset. I would also be upset. Um, he yells yeah, at whatever. Stefanos. Call me a bullshit American. Do I care? You're probably right. Again, he is arrogant and hot-headed, so do you expect anything less? No. And Stefanos, <laughs> true Stefanos form, <laughs> ignored him, grabbed his bag, Walked straight off court as Daniil is screaming at him. And we aren't really entirely sure why this happened or what's going on. It's a great clip. Like, honestly, go Google it and watch it. Like, it's it really like there's tension there. Like, it's good. It's good. It's it's very interesting. It's very odd to me. Mm -hmm. It really makes you think really is like it, it's inspiring. It really like brings up a lot of feelings like it's it's a moment. It's mm -hmm. a moment. It is. Highly recommend giving it a Google. I highly recommend giving Steph a Google just because he's really hot, you guys. Like, it's annoying. It is annoying. He's also a vlogger. So if you would love no. to cringe your face off. We're trying to get people into the sport of tennis, Katie. Please don't <laughs> tell them to watch Steph's vlogs. Outside of the court, for the next several years, they have sniped at each other in the media. Stefanos has called Daniil's playstyle boring. And Daniil has said that he finds Stefanos immature. I don't disagree with him. And to the outside eye, they would seem quite different off the court. I would say Daniil is charming, funny, known for being close friends with the other Russians, super personable in interviews. Whereas Stefanos is, um, he's a self-proclaimed philosopher. He's also an other people claimed philosopher. I don't know if he, does he claim that? I think other people just call him that. Yeah, you'll hear people be like, oh, you can really see Stefanos thinking. And then they cut to a clip of Stefanos and like, there's not a single thought in that head. That pretty head of his, not a, not a thought. Stefanos also definitely has daddy issues, trademark. Um, and that's not alleged. That is absolutely true. Um, and despite this, <laughs> despite this rivalry, I would say they do have very similar personalities. Um, they're intensely ambitious, hot-headed, crackling with energy. So it's fun to see them clash on court because it is, oh, it's so clear that they make each other uncomfortable. <laughs> mm. Is it us talking about them like this that makes them uncomfortable? Or is it the actual, like, each other that makes them uncomfortable? I don't know. 
But here they are being uncomfy. Being unable to look at each other. Is it discomfort or is it tension? I think they're uncomfortable with the tension that they do have. Okay. Perhaps they're uncomfortable with each other or have tension because they see each other as a mirror. Perhaps they fight so hard against each other and so they're so desperate to win because it would be a very severe blow to their pride to lose. Especially since their head-to-head matchup has gotten much closer in 2022. And we can only hope that 2023 will bring more fiery matches, amazing content, and drama. It's all about the content. We, we just want the good content. Give me the good content. I want those edits from the girl, girlies on Twitter, please. Oh, 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 cool. Talk to me about um, the next the rivalry that we have, which is the youngest one. These players are, what, 21 and 19? How old is Yannick yep. Sinner? Spoiler, sorry. Yannick Sinner is 21. Okay, cool. He just turned 21. I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy Yannick a, a beer. He wouldn't drink it. Can you picture Yannick Sinner? Drink? Here, if you guys are trying to picture these people that we're talking about, um, if you want to picture Yannick Sinner, he doesn't look like he uh, could drink a beer. This baby Jen is Carlos Alcaraz and Yannick Sinner. Do you want to explain what you mean by baby Jen? Baby Jen is simply the players that are like under t- 21 and under. Mm-hmm. Very young to me. Anyone who's younger than I am is baby Jen. <laughs> How old are you? I'm 24. Anyone who's younger than you is baby Jen. Anyone who's older than me is lost Jen. <laughs> Honestly, yes. And how old are you, Miranda? Do you want I'm to tell them that? <laughs> and these two are a big contrast to the previous two rivalries we talked about. We have Novak and Rafa, who are very much hero and anti-hero. You have um, Daniil and Steph. They're just, they're insane. But Carlos Alcaraz and Yannick Sinner have a different kind of rivalry. Again, like we've said, they're very young. And this rivalry is blooming. It's blossoming and it's very exciting to watch in the new year. Carlos is Spanish, again, with the Spaniards. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Uh, Yannick Sinner, despite his name, is in fact Italian. What do you mean despite his name? He has a German name. Okay. You know, he is actually, he is very Italian. He has Italian mannerisms. This man is sponsored by Parmigiano Reggiano, okay? <laughs> and if you call him German, he might lose that deal. And he won't be able to put Parmigiano Reggiano on the table to feed his family. That's really sad. <laughs> I have nothing to say to that. And a podcaster's brother in a WhatsApp group. Not this one. References. It sounds like we're talking about one of us in a, on a no. different podcast. On a different podcast. That Katie doesn't even listen to, that I listened to and told you about because I thought this yeah. was so good. And that's why I have to cite it because I didn't come up with this. No. Um, it's specifically about Carlos Alcaraz, but I personally think it also applies to Yannick Center. Carlos is described as superheroes coming into their powers, which is just so accurate. It's like, you know, that scene in a, in like a Spider-Man movie where like Spider-Man realizes that he can like shoot the web out of his arm. Like that's what it, it's like superheroes discovering how strong they are and how much power they have. Like that's what it's like to watch Yannick Sinner and Carlos Alcaraz play a match. Watching them play each other too is like better than watching an Avengers film. I mean, I agree. I don't know if you agree, but like. I I do. do. (laughs) Okay. Too. That's why I said it. I stand behind that. And Katie's a Marvel girly. I'm not. I am. I have seen a lot of Marvel films. To really give you an idea of who these two are, because, you know, I can say all I want about how they're so good at tennis. They're very contrasting. They're very similar mm-hmm. in style in tennis, but they're very contrasting human beings. Carlos, picture golden retriever puppy. Like that is his energy to a T. He's very smiley. He's very warm. He hugs every single person. Also watch Carlos Alcaraz because he has a really, really hot coach. One Carlos Farrow. Chef's kiss. Anyway, that has nothing to do with Carlos, but... The way, Katie, the thing that's really funny is I actually haven't watched a Carlos Alcaraz match, but I've watched Juan Carlos Ferrero watch a match. 
<laughs> and it was a time. I think it's funny. I mean, in person, by yeah. the way. Well, <laughs> you like, you told me, because obviously she was texting me when she was at this match, and she was like, I felt the energy shift <laughs> when one part. The energy shifted in, like, it was crazy. The moment that Juan Carlos Ferro walked in, like, carrying a bag of tennis bag, like, it was so weird. But, like, he walked into the absolutely, like, rancid basement court in Bercy, and, like, the energy shifted. And, like, best believe that when he walked in the room, he made that whole place shiver. <laughs> Back to Carlos and Yannick. I love his Twitter. So he's just so dorky. Which one of these people that we're talking about isn't dorky? But he's like a very like specifically endearing kind of dorky. He's a little brother kind mm -hmm. of dorky. And in comparison, Yannick Sinner is like, he's giving cool guy. He's Italian, still very dorky, but like he's, he's, he's giving influencer with all of his branded content. He's giving capitalist. That's for sure. If you want to learn how to play tennis and you happen to know Italian, he does have a book out that explains tennis and how to play tennis. It is written in Italian though, but they're both very young. So they're both giving baby Jen affectionate dorky. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what I love about them. They're just cuties. They're so, they're adorable. I think I just, I just summarized the last like two minutes into one. They're just cuties. To describe Yannick, he's very tall, he's mm -hmm. very lanky, he's very long, and I've described as watching him walk, just generally walk. Newborn baby deer. Newborn baby deer on ice, on ice, in ice skates. <laughs> Specifically on ice skates, because there's just like a, a very nervous energy to it. And then you watch him play tennis and you're like, where did your legs, like what? Yeah. What do you, how do you do that? But their rivalry is very different because they actually seem like they're actually friends. Carlos is friends with everyone. So I don't think Yannick Sinner has much choice in that. Um, <laughs> I tried to hate Carlos for a very long time because he was beating my faves. Um, and it's just simply impossible. He won us um, over. He's a cutie. What can we say? That's it. That's the rivalries. Yeah. So those are all the rivalries that we have to talk about. So those are like the sets. But here's the thing. Like some of these people either don't have rivals or they like kind of do, but like it's not really official. Like I feel like these are sort of the definitive rivalries of those yeah. generations. There's rivalries outside of this that you can watch and mm -hmm. like have tension with. But these are the three rivalries that I think are the most important when it comes to like understanding tennis rivalries. Yeah. And here's the thing. Every match is a rivalry. That's true, because they're all trying to destroy each other. So, like, there are also some people that maybe part of it is, is it a little bit that those rivals are, like, not interesting enough to talk about on their own? Mm, I don't know. But in terms of the the people that we want to talk about kind of by themselves, they, they don't have specific rivalries yet, but, like, they're coming. That's what 2023 is for. <laughs> First off, we have Casper Rude, who... I kind of call like Mr. Finals slash like final girl. Um, he's really always the bridesmaid, never the bride. And that really makes him like one of the most interesting characters to watch in 2023, I think. I really especially describe him as like a typical Capricorn in that he really puts his head down and he does the work. And then like everyone else looks up and they realize that Casper is about to lap them or that he already mm. has. Losers find excuses and winners find a way. So he's the third ranked player in the world right now, but he seems to really keep a humble attitude and it helps that he's never actually won like a big title, which Aww. I say that and then you're like, wait, I thought he was ranked third. How does he not have any big titles? But of the five most competitive and like highest points awarding tournaments last year, Casper was in the final match of three of them. And in every match he lost. It's unclear on if these matches were like chokes or just like a normal dip in performance. If the other person was better on the day, whatever it was. But I personally will be watching to see if Casper can get himself to more finals next year and like actually win them. Part 
part of that also is that like according to all reports casper is genuinely a nice guy he's basically like agp miscongeniality and he gets along really well with everyone and on occasion he's funny and also he brings a bit of drama that's always surprising anyway i just love casper and i will be paying attention to casper so i think you should too also give him a google he also looks great and looks like niall horan so if you're one direction girly Oh, yeah, I didn't say that. He's from Norway. Why are both of the Norwegians we know from... Why are they both Capricorns? <laughs> I thought you were about to Why are the both Norwegians we know from Norway? <laughs> I was so like, crazy. that answers itself, babe. <laughs> no. Why are both Norwegians we know Capricorns? Isn't that weird? That is that is strange. Okay, who else are we talking about? Speaking of, like, weirdos. Oh my gosh. Next up is Andre Rublev. Also, the bridesmaid, never the bride, but a lovely bridesmaid. Absolutely stunning. Yeah, but he's also, like, kind of down at the end of the line of bridesmaids. Like, he's not standing next to the bride. He's not the maid of honor. Um, he's, like, a, a little ways down the down the bridesmaid train, but it's fine. He's, like, the sibling of the person who's getting married on the other side. Like, the groomsman's <laughs> sibling. to be a bridesmaid. Andre is one of the top players and has been for the past few years. The same podcast that Miranda listens to that I do not. One of them described him as both sweet and terrifying, which pretty much summed up his energy. When we talk about Andre, I don't really want to talk about his game. He's a really good player. Obviously, he's in the top, whatever, fine, doesn't matter. Um, it's his mentality that I think is the most interesting um, because he has such a toxic relationship with tennis. I have a toxic relationship with tennis. And all he really does is play tennis. If you're a workaholic, Andre Rublev should be your favorite player on the court. He's incredibly emotional, passionate, and wants so deeply to win that it could almost be called a trauma response. Um, but we're really not here to psychoanalyze him today. That'll come later. I'm sure it'll come up more. I will say, though, it is hard to be an Andre fan when he's playing tennis. But off the court, such a sweetheart. He's always staying to sign the autographs for every single person. He literally could have played a six-hour match in the burning heat like 90 degrees, and he'll still sign everyone's autograph. I will say he is Russian, but he is very against the war. That is, an imp he's one of the Russians that is extremely against the war and has been since the beginning. In Dubai, which is in February, right after Russia invaded Ukraine, he wrote no war plays on the camera. They usually sign the camera, put their name, a little like message or something, and his was no war plays. Mm -hmm. And then in November, after another win, he wrote peace, 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 all we need, which I think, you know, those are small things. I know in the grand scheme of things, mm -hmm don't really matter that much. But I think if you know the context of Russians, it's a very big thing. It is. It's a very like dangerous thing for him. To, like it's brave for him to write that because I think that was back at the time that like no one was even calling it a war. But also that was right after he won Dubai, I think, right? Like after he won the mm. entire tournament, not just winning a match. So like to think yeah. that that was what was going through his mind when he had like worked all week to win this tournament. First of all, of course it was, but like it says a lot about him, I think, as a person that he went through all this effort, played his heart out, won a, won a tournament. And the thing that's going through his mind is like, how do I send this message about like not having a war and having there be peace? We love him. Ultimately a good egg a good bean i think i think they also called him a good egg on the, that podcast <laughs> they did actually yes now i'm remembering because i did actually listen to that section mm -hmm. because it was so funny to hear them talk about it he's he's a very good egg he's a he's a sweetie however um stay, stick with me with this okay mm -hmm. when he starts playing forley and he loses focus he does uh let's say partake in self-harm, such as punching his own racket strings, smacking said racket strings against his knee, and breaking down emotionally. However, those emotions are never, ever directed at other people. 
the bar is on the floor. It is, but it's an important distinction. <laughs> it is. It's really important. Because a lot of players, you'll see this, you know, you can look up compilations of players going ballistic on YouTube of them smashing their rackets, blaming their box, yelling at people, hitting tennis balls into the crowd in anger. It's not good to see. We don't love to see Andre hurt himself, but it is not ever directed at other people. It's always directed inward, which that being said, he is seeing a therapist confirmed I'm seeing a therapist. Yes, go see a therapist. Um, and has been improving his mentality and controlling his emotions in such healthy ways at the end of the 2022 season. So he's coming for 2023. Watch out. Your mouth got ears, Kitty. I, <laughs> I did just cross myself because he crosses himself after he wins every match and I, yeah. I definitely did it wrong. Speaking of, of people I'd like to cross me, um, the next person we're going to talk about is Matteo Berrettini, which before I start talking about Matteo, like please just do yourself a favor and give him a Google. If you're listening to this because you watched the trailer for Breakpoint and you were like, wait, who's that hot? guy i feel you like same um mm -hmm. i get it so he's he's definitely the hottest of the tennis players i mean i know that's like subjective but i think objectively he is Sorry. yes i mean i'm kidding but not not that much mm, it's true that guy that you saw in the breakpoint trailer that was really hot probably is Matteo Berrettini. We sure as hell know it wasn't at Curios. Anyway, and <laughs> his whole thing, or at least throughout 2022, is that he is the most unlucky player in tennis, I would say. Um, a lot of people claim that tennis isn't really driven by luck, and I, I do generally like agree with that, I think, but you know, unless you're Matteo Berrettini. So he had a really hard, huge part of his season tanked by a wrist injury. And then like, he finally got well again, played a single tournament, won that. Two tournaments, actually. He won two tournaments oh. right in a row. Then right, like after being well for two weeks, he tested positive for COVID and had to pull out of Wimbledon, which is like, would have been the biggest tournament on his best surface. So it's like, very bad for him. He made it all the way to the final of that tournament the year before. So it was just, it was bad news bears for Mateo. That was a sad morning when we woke up to that news. <sighs> it was devastating. In the tournaments that he was able to play in 2022, he did do quite well, but he has like one block and that block is that he hasn't beaten any top 10 players in about uh, two years. So like as a former top 10 player, that is pretty rare. When he's healthy, Mateo tends to beat the people he's expected to beat and lose to the players he's expected to lose to. So I don't know you, if you're into sports betting, maybe place your bets on Mateo Martini. I don't know. <laughs> also not uh, condoning sports betting. Don't do it. And especially if you don't, please don't send any abuse to these players because they're going through a lot. He's another one that seems genuinely like such a nice guy. And it's honestly so nice of him, especially to play tennis when he could be totally fine just being a model. And we really we really appreciate the eye candy. Thank you, Mateo. Thank you for your service. And he is eye candy because he models for boss. And he, mm -hmm. if you live in London, you have seen him before on buses. And the next person that I'm going to talk about is Taylor Fritz. So Taylor Fritz is an American tennis player. He's the top ranked American tennis player right now. So maybe you're American. I don't know. I am. So that's why I'm talking about him. He is a prime example that sometimes the most interesting thing about a tennis player is the people in their player box, which that means like the people watching their matches um, often shown on camera things like that. So Taylor specifically has a really great girlfriend that always shows up in his boxes. The importance of the wag. Yeah. But to talk about him for just like a second before I get to the other people around him, um, he's a very relaxed guy. He's from Southern California. Shout out some eye. And he also has that like a Southern California vibe about him. He's very much giving like your stoned cousin at Christmas energy, which I think by that, I mean, he just gives very little energy. <laughs> he really, to me, he's also kind of the embodiment of like nepotism intent 
tennis, but he does do that in like a very not annoying way, I would say. Kitty, do you think Taylor Fritz is annoying? I don't, which is surprising because I find a lot of American tennis players a little bit annoying. Except for the other one we Mm -hmm. have on this list. He's not annoying, but... And one other American tennis player that we like. He's sometimes annoying. When... (sighs) How dare you? When... The player we're talking about is Tommy Paul, and he had a mohawk and a mustache at the same time, and that was irritating to me. Yeah, but he was nice enough to wear hats when he had the mohawk. <sighs> it doesn't erase his crime, Miranda. You didn't even know about that. You forgot about the mohawk. Yeah, because I wanted to have selective memory. So, um, Taylor's mom, this is his nepotism, his mom is a former professional women's tennis player, and, like, she was a good one, too. She was ranked in the top ten in the world, but it doesn't stop there. His great-great-grandfather invented Macy's. Yes, that Macy's. So, that's Taylor Fritz. Taylor's girlfriend is also, as I mentioned, she's a name to keep track of. That name is Morgan Riddle. She has a really good following on TikTok and Instagram, and she makes a lot of content about what it's like to basically live on tour. I very strongly recommend you give her a follow. I guess Taylor, too, but, like, Mm. Morgan's content's better. Sorry, Taylor. He had a really good run at Wimbledon, and during that time, Morgan got a few write-ups in the Daily Mail. So, like, it's really a win-win situation here. It really is. Uh. We have one more player to really talk about, and then, like, that's kind of everyone that we're introducing you to. Yeah. So. And this one is also an American, my personal favorite American. Sorry, Taylor. And this is Francis Tiafo. He is the Cinderella story. He is your dynamic entertainer. If you watch the Netflix show and, or if you've heard anything about Nick Kyrgios, throw him to the side because Francis Tiafo is the one that you want to watch if you want enjoy being entertained. He has a rags to riches story in direct contrast to Taylor Fritz. He is not a nepotism baby. (laughs) Not at all. And he's very much the underdog or I consider him an underdog. He's really close friends with Taylor and a lot of the other Americans. You'll see them kind of traveling in a unit. They all kind of have their personality archetypes. They're very fun to watch. I will say it does say a lot about how nice Francis is that you still like him even though he beat Andre in one of the most heartbreaking matches we've ever watched. It does say a lot. I'm sorry for reminding you of that but I just need the people to know. Like normally you wouldn't like that person but we do like Francis still. It's true. If you couldn't tell by my description of Andre Rublev, he is in fact my favorite player. I love him with every inch of my being. And Francis Tiafo beat him and perhaps it, it was so, it was so devastating, but it was a great match. And you know, it's just, I can't hate Francis. Describing Francis, he is so much fun. He's, he's just, he's always has a smile on his face. Win or lose, he's always smiling, which is something that I really appreciate because a lot of times these guys get down and I'm like, y'all, you're hitting a fuzzy ball across the net lighten up, which is direct opposite of Andre, who takes it too seriously, but two sides of the same coin. It's fine. He hits the fuzzy ball across the net. He puts the fuzzy ball in his mouth, Um, bites it. Francis Giaffo is a Cinderella story, which I think a lot of people could relate to or, you know, enjoy watching. Um, He's an underdog. He should genuinely be everyone's favorite, especially if you're an American. If you're looking for an American to stand, Francis Giaffo cannot more highly recommend. Um, I recommend you stand Francis Tiafo and Morgan Riddle. If you take anything from this podcast, it's those two, please. To give a little background, he is American, like I said. His parents are immigrants. He has a twin brother and seems to be, first and foremost, an entertainer. He just, he's always interacting with the crowd. He's giving the people what they want. He's making tennis an entertaining sport. However, 
For a lot of his career, he was simply called a clown and someone who didn't care. Secretly, I think a lot of this is rooted in racism, but we're not going to get into that right now. And I personally find that very unfair to him. He did have a very breakout second half of the season in 2022. And you can see from his matches that he really loves to have fun. He loves playing tennis and competing. And he's been proving himself for years now. And now that he's starting to break out, people are taking him seriously. You know who else takes him seriously? Michelle Obama. That's enough for me. Should be enough for everyone. Francis, he's your underdog. He's your entertainer. He's got this rag to riches story. Cinderella story, just fantastic human being all around. Could be a good place of connection if you're looking for someone to really enjoy and stan. Very funny as well. He's a cutie. He's a cutie. Little Mandarin Orange. Slightly bigger Mandarin Orange, but. I'm trying to think of anyone that we talked about today isn't a cutie. Who would I say isn't a cutie? Novak Djokovic. <laughs> Yeah, I would definitely say Novak isn't a cutie. Maybe Steph, it depends on the day. Depends on the day. I'm willing, also, I'm willing to put Daniil into cutie uh, territory because every time he talks about fatherhood and, like, his his daughter now, it um, melts my heart and it's cutie <sighs> behavior. It is literally so sweet. He, it's really funny with Daniil, became a father and became a DILF. Like, so, like, somehow really, really hot. And I thought he was hot beforehand. I thought he was hot beforehand. Like, I wasn't like, oh, gosh, Daniil Medvedev, ugly, ugly. He's ugly hot. And I'm like, whoa, hot, hot, okay? Yeah, are you working on the ugly, ugly, hot, hot, ugly Punnett Square? I am. I have it. I, okay. yeah. I want to see it. I want to see the progress. We'll put it on the Instagram. So yeah. that's all we have to tell you about. Um, if you want to see the, the hot, <laughs> ugly, ugly, hot uh, Punnett Square, it'll eventually be on our Instagram, or it won't. Which our Instagram is at Backhands and Compliments, the same name as our podcast. We also have a Twitter, <laughs> which is at Backhands Pod. Yeah, I forgot. I literally made it and I had already forgotten. We need to, I need to start getting some content on the Twitter. Yeah. So uh, as your next set, we will also have a 102. So if you'd like to, you know, continue your coursework, we'll, we'll talk to you about uh, tournament structures and the schedule and uh, lots of different things about watching the sport of tennis in that one. But that's, this is your tennis 101. These are your stories is your people to pay attention to pop quiz <laughs> just kidding quiz <laughs> should have been taking notes this is worth 100 percent of your grade i feel like there should be a better way for us to end this but i don't really know what it is and we've been talking for so long hope you get into tennis and if not, I hope you had an enjoyable time. The other thing that I want to say is like, if you have any questions, if any of the stuff that we said was confusing, our DMs are open and I would very much like to like hold your hand and walk you through these gates because it is a fun time. So like, I'm, if this podcast didn't answer any of your questions, send them to us on Instagram and I will send you a voice memo. <laughs> your own personal podcast <laughs> answering any questions you might have that's not true i will probably type things out but like i'm here to answer any yeah. questions you have i probably won't do as good of a job answering them as katie but i will give you the beginner's perspective because that's my bag subscribe <laughs> is that what people do on podcasts subscribe to hear more um and we will kind of keep this newbie perspective in mind as we go on however i mean like i'm not gonna lie there will be more inside jokes and stuff to come but like again if you have questions if you're like what the hell does this inside joke mean why do you guys keep saying Yawgate? I'll tell you. <laughs> we will. And yeah, if we get enough questions and people are confused enough, we might just make 101.2. 103, 104, etc. It's a full like, radio station up in here. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for coming along this journey with us. And we're so happy to have you. We're so happy to have you here halfway through the gate. The rest of the gate will be coming soon. Yep. And then I'm closing it behind you and locking it forever and keeping you in here with us. It's like, you can't leave. <laughs> Instead of gatekeeping, it's more like flytrap keeping. It's like <laughs> anyone can come in, but um, you can't leave. You leave? Uh, good luck. Good luck. We're not letting you go. You're part of the okay, family now. It's so threatening. There's an emergency exit if you guys want to get out. Like, bye. Bye.